0: March 8th, 1976. Now that of course is truly symbolic. I mean if you want to talk about symbolism, buddy, that's symbolic. And uh um, listen to this. Tao Tao, taw dow dow the That's that's a word, see. I'm saying something, right? Listen. Dow tit What did I say? Come on. Dow tit does if you're very slow, you can get it. What is it? Dow, Dit. Dit, dit, dit. Well, the reason that I'm doing this, that's, of course, Morse code. And uh, for those of you who think that Morse code is an ancient form of communication, you simply don't know anything about communication. In fact, Morse code has proliferated. All around the world, until today, if you listen across the shortwave bands, you hear literally thousands of international stations communicating by this very esoteric language. Once Morse code gets a hold of your soul, buddy, it gets a hold of your soul and gnaws at it and never lets go. I'll let you hear some very fast Morse code so you can hear what it sounds like on the international level. <laughs> What's that? He's actually saying things. He t- it said who he was. There you go. Okay, Sam, that's enough. I just got a letter from, from uh, a lady who said, uh, you know, everybody at one time in their life has had some kind of a hang-up. What was, it, what was it, the real hang-up? That you, now, what is a hang-up? I guess a hang-up is something that you get fanatically involved in. You know, there are, are religious fanatics. There are uh, fanatics, political fanatics. There are people who just absolutely... Uh, get hung on politics Then there are people who are fanatics um, uh, drink they get involved in that well I was about roughly well how old are you when you're in your first year at a scout 12 right 12 years old not Cub Scouts Boy Scouts the real thing well in in the uh, in the scout troop that I was in there was this kid and uh, you know there's always a kid in your life especially if you're a male now I don't know whether this is this applies to females or not, and I'm going to throw it out for conjecture, Uh, do girls when they're about 10 or 12 or maybe 13, do they get involved with some other girl? In other words, they get to know some other girl who is usually older that they are fantastically impressed by. And they try to, to, to imitate this girl. Does that happen? Well, Lee says yes. <laughs> okay, I'll buy it. I I don't know. Uh, I'm just taking your word for it. Although it seems logical that they would, I can say though that this is not only logical, but it's constant among male types. That there's always some older guy in the neighborhood who is a you know a real thing on which you base a lot of your your activities on. Do you agree with that at all? You know, I that just gave me a thought. Now, I don't know whether or not you agree with this, but you know, most psychological theories, when you when you uh, get involved in in especially therapy, uh, most people think that it's the family. You know, they go back and they analyze the family life and of a of a person who's having trouble, and uh, they try to figure out what what you know what what influences on him uh, in the home and in the family were causing uh, problems and so forth and, and that ultimately caused this difficulty to come about? Well, I'm going to suggest to you, and I've never heard anybody really talk about this. I've never heard any psychologists mention it. But I think that many of us have been far more affected by people we knew outside of the home when we were 10 or 12 than people we knew in the home. <laughs> now, That would be very hard for a psychologist to deal with. You know, in many cases, you don't even remember the name of the guy uh, who affected your life. But there was this kid. This guy literally affected my life to this very day. Seriously. Uh, There was a kid in the scout troop who was uh, a kind of a dynamic scout. I mean, I was a a freshman, you know. I was a tenderfoot, a real newcomer in in the troop. Me and, and Schwartz and Flick, you know, we all went down and joined the troop with 241, and they <laughs> they met in the gym at the Warren G Harding School, and uh, we, you know, every every once in a night was our scout meeting night, and we would get down there, and of course, being a tenderfoot, the only thing you ever did actually was stand around and the tie knots. We would have a knot knot tying class where we all tied something called a sheep shank, and uh, yes, oh yes, and a bowline. That was another one. We tied that one a lot. And uh, various slip knots, square knot. That was another big one. A square knot. And uh, so we're tying all these knots and and uh, that that kind of stuff. Well, in the same troop, of course, there were other kids that were in very different levels of Boy Scouting. And there was this guy who I remember his name was Lawrence. Lawrence was was tall, and he he was kind of cool. You know, he had this cool about him. And the uh, yeah, all oh, very cool, man. And not only that, but Lawrence, you see, was in, in high school. So, you know, here we are, 12. We're all still messing around. You know, we're in seventh grade and stuff. Not only was Lawrence in high school, but he played on on the high school freshman basketball team. And this was a big high school. You know, this was a high school, like 3,000 kids. And this guy was a really cool man. And he he played forward on the high school Freshman basketball team. He's about six feet tall already. And uh, how old was he? Well, he was about fourteen. <laughs> man, was he cool! And, and uh, I remember Lawrence used to do all this great stuff. Everything that Lawrence did seemed to have gold around it. You know, certain guys just had that. They, uh, there, there's a great poem. Who wrote the poem about the man? About he uh, uh, he exuded uh, greatness. And he was dressed so elegantly. And then he went home and put a bullet in his head. Who was that? Yeah, that's correct, them all. <laughs> that's right. Miniver Cheevy ruined the day. He ruined, uh, you know, uh, his coat of khaki. But anyway, Lawrence was really elegant. Well, here I am, a kid. You know, I'm, I'm 12 years old, and I'm a, I'm a tenderfoot in, in uh, the troop, Troop 41. I was in the Moose Patrol. Troop 41 Moose Patrol. And, you know, every patrol had its own patch, which was the animal. Each, each patrol had an animal. Like the, we had the, the, the Jaguar Patrol. They had the Jaguar. And another one was the Elk Patrol. Anyway, I was in the Moose Patrol. And Lawrence was our patrol leader. He was the assistant scoutmaster. Oh, is he cool, man. I mean, oh, yeah. And, and see, we met in the gym. This is what really made it the, the real thing. We met in the gym, see. Well, what has the gym got hanging from each end? Correct. Those big old bounding boards, the baskets hanging there. And they hang down there. And, of course, all the rest of the kids are fun. And Lawrence would come in early. See, remember, he's on the freshman basketball team. Lawrence, bring this basketball. See, and all the rest of us are, are coming in with our knots and stuff like that. And Lawrence is out there practicing, uh, you know, fadeaway push shots. Oh. He uh, was he cool, and, and, and of course, then, uh, one day he, we came in early, saying he took the entire our little our little uh, patrol, which was about eight or nine kids. See, a troop is divided up into patrols. So he says, "Listen, you guys," he says, "What do you say?" Uh, he says, "What do you say we come in about uh, 15 minutes early next Wednesday night?" He says, "Now give you guys some lessons in free shooting for foul shots." Huh? Oh, wow. I mean, you know, and this guy had just won that was in the paper, you know, the week before. He had just scored eighteen points coming off the bench and uh <laughs> you know he oh, what a cool character. And he had he had a he always wore this this purple sweater, you know, with a great big H on it, you know, with the birds and stuff, and little stripes and stars and things. And and Lawrence was out there that night, you know, working throwing in these free shots and uh, he did it with such cool. I mean he, he looked like Walt Fraser up there, you know, he's the kid. Dribble the ball a little bit to get cool, you know. And he set himself up, and he showed you how to put how to put your feet so if you didn't throw the ball. He says you gotta you gotta know where that ball's going, and he just throw it. And so, anyway, he was very cool. So this is about three weeks go by, and uh, I'm you know I'm really impressed by Lawrence, and so is Schwartz, and so is Flick. And <laughs> even though Flick is himself cool, he doesn't want to admit this. thing. so one night we're coming home. And from the scout meeting. And Schwartz says the following dialogue, which I did not know at the time, was to change my life. Schwartz is walking along in the dark. We're coming home from the troop. We've got our neckerchiefs on. We had these purple and yellow neckerchiefs. And and one of the first things we did was to carve a neckerchief slide. (laughs) You ever carve a neckerchief slide? Well, I carved this neckerchief slide. You know, really great. I love this thing. And we're coming home. And Schwartz is, says, hey, he says, uh, can you stay out about a half an hour late? And I said, what? He says, Lawrence has invited me over to see his short wave set. I said, short wave set? What's that? He says, yeah, Lawrence has got a short wave set. And he invited any of the kids out of want to come over and look at his short wave set and watch him work his short wave set. Wow, you know, anything Lawrence did had a certain golden aura about it. And so, I said, yeah, I'd love to go. So me and Schwartz and Fleck that night went to, went to Lawrence's house, and there were about three or four other kids from the troop there, and he had a room. It was his room, you know, and he had, he had all his high school trophies there. He had a silver basketball. Yeah, you know, great stuff. He had, uh, you know, had a flag up there, and he had he had things like he had a sweater from the old school he went to where he won his last letter. You know, it was up on a wall and stuff like that. Oh, wow. And here in his room, he had this, all I thought of it, it was just a short wave set. But now looking back on it, I realize what he had, he had a ham station. He was an amateur. And Lawrence, I thought, you know, he was going to sit there and talk on this thing. But he had a key. You know, a key, like you see in the movies when they're sending out the SOS and the ship is sinking. He had this key. And out of the speaker, he had a loudspeaker on this, on this, uh, on the shortwave set, out came this fantastic sound, this beeps and stuff, and Lawrence is sitting there writing it down. My God! And from that minute on, from that minute on, I have never turned back. Now I have to tell you this: if anybody else had had introduced me to shortwave and to code (CW), I would have, you know, I said, "Oh, come on, what are you talking about?" but because this guy played basketball. And in Indiana, incidentally, basketball not only is a major religion, it is the major religion. All the others sort of fade off down to the distance, you know, Baptists, Catholics. I mean, and and of that religion, I can only say there are two people who are major priests of that religion. A recognized center, anybody who's a center is like a true. He's a bishop. (laughs) I mean, he's damn near the pope. I mean, he is it. If you're, if the next one are forwards. Forwards have a certain romantic quality to them. By the way, have have you, yeah, have you ever thought in terms of the various kinds of players, the various roles they play? Centers, you see, are usually uh, they're power. One doesn't think of a center as romantic. He's just a great big, you know, he's power, man, he's power. But forwards have a certain elusive. Romantic quality about them. Generally because they're very fast. You agree with that? They can score. They're the offense. And then there's, there's there's another aura about guards. A guard is something else again. To me, a guard is the most romantic of all the basketball players. Now, why? Well, he generally bring, brings it up from the backcourt. And he sets the play. And I, and I always remember, you know, pictures in my mind of Walt Frazier. Uh, you know, he's a classic example. He's, You know, he's coming up from the backcourt, and he's setting the play. You know, he's, his hands are up, he's got three fingers up, and then he points over and he dribbles quietly off to one side, you know, coolly. Oh, man, <laughs> that's really something else. And, and, and basketball, I think, is, of all the sports, I think basketball has more of that kind of personal identification with with the kind of players. That's why I think I think if, if Walt Fraser had been born a center, he would not be nearly as romantic as he is playing what he does. You agree? Okay. So here's here's Lawrence and, and Lawrence is a recognized comer man. He is gonna be on the varsity next year. He is a top freshman forward. And Already, you know, he's in the freshman team. He's about six, maybe six one, something like He's growing, see. And, and by the way, he later, by the time he reached his senior year, he was about six seven. And uh, the last, <laughs> he went on to become a top ball player with Indiana, which, as you know, Indiana University has some real fine ball players. He, he was already uh, approaching the God status, you see, at, uh, as a freshman. But the fact that he sat there and talked on the radio with code, knocked me out of the box. And so I began to get into this thing. Now, how do you get into it? It's very hard to say. Uh, And how I brought all this up was just about, oh, about six hours ago. I'm riding along in my car, and out of the the melange of traffic, I hear a horn, just horns blowing. You know, you hear horns all the time. But this horn blew three distinct words in CW. Now he might not have known he did it. One of them, by the way, was distinctly obscene. Now he might not have known he did it, but you know you hear these sounds and once you become into, once you've gotten into CW, that, by the way, CW, for the uninitiated, I'll explain what that means. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Uh, there are several modes of, of uh, radio or electronic communication. For example, what you're listening to right now is AM, which is amplitude modulation. Now, that other... Well, a lot of people don't know what the AM stands for. They think it's AM, that's all. Well, it's amplitude. It's a kind of modulation. It's a. It's a, it's a it, uh, the modulation refers to the way the speech is superimposed or is, is integrated into the carrier. That's In this case, it's modulation. It's, it's modulated amplitude-wise. Now, then there's another form of communication in which the same carrier is not modulated by amplitude, but by frequency. In other words, the frequency of the carrier varies. That's called FM, frequency modulation. Different kind of, uh, of modulation. Now, those are two of them, AM and FM, but there are others. For example, ICW, an interesting one. <laughs> ICW is intermittent continuous wave. Now, an ICW note is, is actually it will, you probably think it's code. You just refer to it as code, but ICW sounds a little bit like this. Uh, 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 uh. You notice it's a it's a a buzzing note superimposed on a carrier. That's called intermittent continuous wave, and it's and it's interrupted. By a key. That's where the intermittent comes. Then, of course, then you have CW, which is continuous wave, and that is what you c- classically call Morse code. That's CW. Now, uh, the modulation is made, in this case, by cutting off and on the carrier, physically, with a key. Well, as a, as a kid, I became involved in this thing. and 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 it began to obsess me. I must say that I I understand religious fanatics. Because once you've been a fanatic, you can understand a fanatic. People tell me, you know, they'll say, well, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to talk to this kid or this guy, whoever it is that's got this religious fanaticism going, and I'll explain to them. You can't explain this. You can't talk a fanatic out of being a fanatic. There's no conceivable way. It's it's a fanaticism. (laughs) It, it, It envelops you. And so by the age of 13... I would sit in class in 8th grade and I would send to myself, just to myself by the hour, as I'm reading, say, a geography book, I wouldn't read it. I would send it to myself. I'd actually hear it in my head. And so if I see the word Asia, now most people would say, well, Asia, and they may see a map in their head or something. You know what I would hear? I would hear, (laughs) That's (laughs) <laughs> That's Asia. What? <laughs> Various forms of notes. Sometimes I would hear it, I would hear it sometimes as I-C-W. Now, you look at the word T-H-E. Every time I look at the word T-H-E right now, right now, this minute, I don't see the, what I see is Da, 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 da. Yeah, just automatic. It's just like I know that a really good typist, a really good typist, subconsciously uh, translates words that they see on a page. Well, as a as a CW man, it got to the point where where all of my world was bound by this this sound, the sound of these language, this language. Now. To get the license, see, I was driving towards an amateur radio license, which had become an unbelievable hang-up with me. I would carry my, well, my technical Q and A, what they call question and answer manual, with me. I would carry it with me in 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 every book I had. Like I would be sitting in a in a study hall, see, supposed to be studying history, and stuck in there with my AWRL Q and A, see, this orange and black book, and I'm I'm, I'm constantly thinking. Of, Now, now ask yourself, ask yourself like you didn't know it, what is voltage regulation? Give me a definition of poor voltage regulation and a definition of good voltage regulation. And what percentage of deviation in voltage regulation is allowable under the law? And all the rest of the kids around me, you know, were living such an innocent world. They were... uh, They were going to movies and watching cowboy pictures, and I am concentrating on on voltage regulation. I'm concentrating on give the technical difference between a Class C amplifier from a Class B1 amplifier, which is the most efficient. Why is a Class C amplifier used in RF applications and a Class AB amplifier is not used in RF applications? Oh, you know, all this stuff. Well, it, it, it just began to pack my head. But all the while, at night, I would lie in bed at night going trying to go to sleep. And I would hear in my head, I'd hear... <laughs> Coded groups would come floating in out of the out of the air around me. I'd hear commas for no given reason. I mean, how would you like to spend an hour in bed quietly trying to go to sleep and you're hung up on the sound of a semicolon? That, friends, is fanaticism. Well, I am now thirteen. And I'm working in a vacuum. I don't know how good I am or how bad I am. And I, I, I in the meantime, have acquired a shortwave receiver, and I'm sitting there copying code off of the air. And, and you know, a kid can learn languages incredibly fast. You know this. Uh, much faster than a person who is, even even when you get to be 18 and 19, your language skills decline abruptly. When you're, when you're like five, a kid can learn Danish in three days. I mean, really, it's the truth. And and here I am, I'm thirteen. Code is coming to me so simply, it's like it's like absorbing the air around me. And I'm I'm not aware yet of how good I am. And so I'm sitting there writing this code down and, and it got better and better until I finally got to the point, at the age of thirteen, I'm sitting there copying Press Wireless. Now Press Wireless is international press telegraphy. And I'm sitting there writing full length uh, news items, like it would say, Dakar, it was reported today, <laughs> And I've got this endless stuff. My old man would look into the room, see, and he'd say, will you, will you cut that out? He says, just relax once in a while. He said, come on, get out of that. That's going to hurt your ears. That stuff, all that beeping in your ears. See, my dad had an idea that the beeping in my ears was bad for my ears. Just like you've heard your mother say, don't read so much, it's bad for your eyes. Well, he had an idea listening to beeps is bad for your ears if you hear too many beeps. See, so I, I couldn't stop. Every day when i get home, i turn on this receiver. Well, finally the day came. It was a Saturday. I went up to to, uh, to Chicago to take my exam. And there were maybe 200 other guys in there, all, all grown-ups. I was the only kid, incidentally. And all of us filed in. And they sent code to us in earphones. Do you have that code up there? set the code up. It didn't quite sound like this, but we all sat in in little cubicles with earphones on, and they had a tape, and they sent us this coded group. We were supposed to receive three minutes of code. They sent three minutes at 13 words a minute. You had to receive and send a minimum of 13 words a minute, and you had to get out of that one three-minute segment of tape, you had to get one solid minute that was error-free. You follow? In other words, if you got one minute out of the three minutes anywhere in the in the tape, you were you were home free. This is the way it sounds, roughly. It sounds this is very fast, of course, but it had a high <coughs> keening sound. <coughs> now he just said F K. Okay, thank you. See I could fix this so anyway, I, I sat down here I've been preparing for this moment now as a kid for about a year and a half. Sweating it out ever since I was the first year, you know, that first day down in Troop 41, and they start to send the code. It was like water, just like a duck getting ready to swim. I not only wrote down one solid minute; I wrote down every character they sent in the entire three minutes. Perfect, nothing to me. It was like one tenth the speed that I'd been working on. And the, the uh, examiner came back and he took a look at this piece of paper and he says, You sure? Said, you sure you never heard this tape before? I says, No. <laughs> First time I've been I'm a kid, you know, 13. I said, No. He says, uh, Oh, that's beautiful. And he checked it. Well, from that minute on, I realized that I had my calling. And, and CW, uh, and, and all the ramifications of CW have always been part of my world and later on when I went into the signal Corps, I'll tell you a story but that's another story <laughs> that's a, a very involved story later about about uh, military cw military code but code is is uh, and I, and I'm doing this I know that a lot of you probably are bored to death to this to, uh, about this because you don't know and you're not involved in it but the but the but the fanaticism that C.W. people know is a fanaticism that only a flycaster who ties his own flies understands. It's of that order. It's, uh, it's the same order of, of esoterica of a guy who will spent 15 years uh, pursuing a specific stamp. It's a very intellectual, and I might add, totally mental pursuit. Now, others cannot quite understand it because it is intellectual and mental, and yet uh, there are times when when I'll be walking along the street, I'll be walking along 6th Avenue, and I'll hear a door squeak, and the door said something to me. Just that sequence squeaks, and I'll hear horns blowing. You'll hear that. I Another thing I do is that I I'm, I'm one of these guys that sits and watches late movies, and invariably in a movie about spies or about submarines or about ships, they always have a sequence of CW. Do you know that not one out of probably five of the movies, the actual code that they send that I hear coming out of the T V screen or out of the movie screen, is what the guy actually said it was. One night I couldn't believe it, I heard I heard somebody, you know, somebody with a with a real 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 hairy sense of humor. Had sent some really fantastic stuff right in the middle of a submarine sequence. <laughs> and So occasionally you'll hear the real thing. Uh, where, where, especially in British pictures, they're very, they're very official about details like that. And so when you see a movie like Sink the Bismarck, and uh, you'll see the guy, the radio operator, the HMS Hood, and uh, he'll 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 be getting the, uh, for example, uh, the. The uh, location of a ship, and you'll hear. He has just sent longitude 28 degrees west, and he really sent it. By the way, I just sent it too. WOY New York. Stay tuned for In Conversation, you hear?